to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm the Internet's Christopher Schmidt, and on today's show, we welcome Laura Hogan. Laura is the author of the great book, Demystifying Public Speaking, published by A Book Apart. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. Make plans for CSS DevConf 2017 in New Orleans. Grab your tickets now and learn from Chris Coyer, Wes Boss, Mina Markham, Harry Roberts, Estelle Weil, and many, many more this October. Tickets are on sale at cssdevconf.com. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration handpicked by yours truly. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. Speaking of email, set it and forget it with a non-breaking space show newsletter. So whenever there's a new show, it gets sent straight to your inbox. Sign up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. And of course, find show notes and links discussed today's episode at nonbreakingspace.tv. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Telejekt, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. As always, thank you for telling others about Nonbreaking Space. And now, on with the show. But uh, yeah, so thank you for, for joining us today. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great. Um, I just want to say like your book, um, you know, Book Apart does a really a lot of great books. Uh, your book was the one I felt like uh, uh, just blew me away by how <laughs> much information is on this one topic. Uh, and it's such a short book, and it's a short book, you know, because the book parts are usually like kind of short, breezy books. Sometimes I think Zelman mm-hmm. actually talked about them being breezy that uh, you know you read them on an airplane trip. Um, and uh, but uh, you know, people always give advice and blog posts about what it takes to be a really great speaker, and it's usually like within twelve bullet points, and that doesn't give you the whole experience. No, uh, being a public speaker, you <laughs> know, as someone who speaks at events, who actually runs events, you know, I could tell you, like, you know, that's not twelve bullet points isn't going to cover a lot of what you're doing. <laughs> and uh, no, yeah, and so yeah, so I really appreciate the book. And so, how did you, this, like, you know, how did you? And, and public speaking isn't like you know the thing that you like. You know, you're also known for performance. You're also known for, I think, managing uh, teams and and mm-hmm. and doing stuff. So, so why? And I guess how, how you get started on a book about public speaking. Totally. Yeah. Um, it's funny thinking about public speaking. I feel like what's out there most are like rules, you know, like rules of thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't say, um, or, uh, mm-hmm. you shouldn't read from your notes. Like there's, you know, there's, there's lists of rules out there about public speaking. I just don't, I never, I never really grokked why, um, why people share them so frequently. I think it's because we, you know, rules help us feel safe mm-hmm. and it gives us like a rubric to, it's almost like its own sense of control, right? Rules help us feel, um, feel in control of things. And I just found that those rules didn't make any sense most of the time for a variety of reasons. Everybody is so different. And that means that everybody brings different fears and different strengths to something like public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes one speaker nervous could make another speaker feel re- really relaxed. Like I love doing Q and A. There are so many speakers who Q and A is just the worst possible thing. <laughs> it was right. the worst possible part of giving a talk. Right. Um, 
I, I like uh, really not being able to see um, faces in the audience. I, I prefer like a big sea of uh, face, blank faces you can't you can't actually make eye contact with. Some other speakers find that terrifying, you know, like uh, it feels like a vast sea of, of overwhelming uncertainty, you know. So everybody is different, which, which is why when I was reading, um, you know, how to be a good public speaker, tips on public speaking, I found that it was a really mix of things that, that do and don't work well for anyone individual. And so I thought maybe I can provide something that gives people permission to to think about what their own strengths are and what their fears are and and have some options and ways to navigate public speaking and, and getting on stage and decompressing after being on stage. Um, that My goal was kind of like to break down this idea that there are rules and instead offer offer like a it's like a choose your own adventure, you know, of, of getting prepared to get up on stage. Even, even if it's not a physical stage, I really wanted to write something that was applicable to anybody who had to say some prepared words, um, in a moment, whether it's like a physical spotlight or just like a, you feel a spotlight. And I, and I also really wanted to write something that, um, included advice for people who are members of underrepresented groups in tech. Cause I think that a lot of the advice that's out there works really well for people with privilege, um, people who are white, people who are men, and I wanted to make sure that I wrote something that was well-rounded and included advice that would work for people with privilege and also people who are marginalized in some way, things to help keep them safe. Um, there's a whole subset of fears out there that have to do with being a member of an underrepresented group in tech. So I wanted to make sure I covered that stuff as well. All right. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you, know, you definitely you cover like codes of conduct yeah. in there as well, too. And, and, it's, and it's so great that you, I think Q&As are just, just an awesome thing and, and not many people can, can handle them very well because it's because it's you know you come out there with a prepared presentation right, right? and so that's your safety net right that's like yeah. it even getting to a safety net you know takes work and time which we'll probably cover uh you know later on but uh but q a's are really awful, awesome um because even i, I remember watching c-span a long time ago because i'm that boring but like there's c-span like people like elected officials won't go on C-SPAN, which is just like a call-in talk show where like yeah. people from all over just call and, and, and like ask, you know, a wide range of questions from smart to stupid. And, and, <laughs> and I like the officials just don't want to take that because uh, yeah. they're fear. They're afraid of, of saying something stupid. And that's like totally, right. totally good. But like, well, you're a politician. But anyway, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but even then, like that's, that's a great fear. And so, um, even, and I want to talk about the Q and A's a little bit too, because like, yeah. uh, kind of put the cart before the horse a little bit but uh <laughs> it's just like because uh one one that you get you get some great tips on how to handle uh q and a's uh, and one th- one of the things you mentioned in the book was like the powerful breakthrough that you like you said that you you had was like just learning to say i don't know oh totally totally and it, it helps i mean um learning knowing how to say i don't know in like a like a not heavy and and not sad way. It helps you not just when you're giving a talk, but like you never want to be that leader. You never want to be that staff engineer. You never want to be that person who's like, uh, you know, t- tries to make something up on the spot or tries to fake it when they're, you know, it's like you, it's really powerful to know how to say, I don't know in like a clear and understandable way. Um, yeah. So I definitely, in the book, I, I address like different ways you could navigate that, that range from, Straight up saying that you don't know, but you can look it up later and you'll tweet about the answer later. Or just one of my favorite things in like a conference or event setting is to straight up ask the audience. Oh yeah. Hey, d- does any yeah, does anybody else in the answer in the in the audience know this answer? Cool, go talk to that person yeah. <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great way of doing it. Cause like yeah, that's one of the things I, I love doing is like saying you don't know, but then finding yeah. uh, someone in the audience. And then maybe even like just 
uh, what you don't know, <laughs> what you don't want to happen is in like the next five minutes of them talking while you're on stage. Right, <laughs> exactly. right, but, right. Yeah. yeah, I definitely tried to cover some of that stuff too because I think that we've all been in the audience when, you know, someone raises their hand and says, yeah. This is this is more of a statement than a question, yeah. you know, which is just just the worst. And so I think that everybody, yeah, everybody in the audience knows who that person is, right. and oh, yeah. uh, and you as a speaker still, you know, you're still in charge of making sure that people walk away learning something. So even if you have to gracefully get them to stop talking, um, you know, you can. You, there are ways to do that, and there are ways to make sure that the audience still can learn something, and and because you're in control of of your ability to like communicate to them about that topic. Right. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I guess now we should go back to uh, starting a presentation. <laughs> so uh, yeah. now that we've talked about the ending of Q and A's, but uh, so why would is it just something about our industry that that people like like why would someone need to feel the the need to present a topic? Because <laughs> because that's like that's yeah. like, like one of the big fears. Like like I remember seeing a list of like oh here's the biggest fears people face. You know, right. buying a home, moving, right. Right. and then like public speaking is in the list. I'm like well, if, public speaking is number one more than yeah. like. Like spiders or death. Yeah, there was a study on American fears, and that yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, so why do people do it? I, you know, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people about um, not just why they do it, but why they why they don't do it. And I think that there's, I mean, there's obviously a range of answers to both those questions. Um, when I talk about this stuff, I want to make sure that I underscore that public speaking shouldn't need to be for everybody. It's not a thing that I think is crucial for every human to to try out. Um, I kind of view sharing information. Uh, you can, you can speak about it, mm-hmm. you can try to open source it, and you can write about it. Those are three huge ways that you can do it. There's different risks and different fears associated with, with each of those. And depending upon who you are, mm-hmm. you may gravitate gravitate towards one or more of those. Um, but in terms of like why you would choose speaking, I've seen it be really useful to, to people who want to like get some practice conquering their fears, <laughs> certainly. But also... Um, you know, there's plenty of like really valid career reasons. Speaking for me got me both the last job I have and the next job that I'll have. And I think it's been really important as part of like shaping your career and being known for a topic and being able to, to talk about that topic and iterate on how you talk about that topic. Um, public speaking helps you do all those things. I think also just speaking, you know, what I think it's part of our industry is just to share knowledge. And yeah. you know, I don't have a vast you know, insight into other industries as to well, but like, you know, the, we go to other conferences, like the, the way our industry shares knowledge from meetups mm-hmm. to, you know, just, just online to open source. I just, it's, yeah. it's so fascinating that there, totally. it, but there, but we still need to, but even the other industries have conferences and they still need to talk to people, you know, in hallways in between conferences and stuff like that. So, uh, so, and also I feel like our industry moves so fast Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, writing books and even though like you know, published books, <laughs> I published books. You know, it's they get out of date so fast. And, so fast. Yeah. So so going to a conference is just and learning uh, from the perspective of you know just not reading blog posts, which is you know a fast way of gathering information, but being yeah. able to talk to a person like oh I, I you know I just read your blog post, I just heard you speak, I still have some questions. You know, that's just mm-hmm. amazing. So that's uh, just one of our, our ways our industry just learns and keeps yeah. it, it keeps up the. You know, because with the, the the state of how things changes so fast, so totally, totally, yeah. yeah. So because like because when I first started out, I was like, like, well, how do I, you know, it's not like how do I show others that I know what I'm talking about? It's like mm-hmm. it's like, well, I can write a book because that's what like you know David Siegel and the Wyman did. So that's how they, <laughs> and then I could or I could just you know, and I can go to uh, conferences and show and and share what I know. So that's yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's cool. But yeah, so so I definitely think there is some. You know, good reasons to go speak. Uh, you know, 
definitely for that networking and, and finding the jobs mm-hmm. too. So I think that's also a great thing. But again, it's not for everyone. You know, if you don't need right. to, if you don't need to, uh, you know, if you'd rather like kill a spider instead, you know, <laughs> conquer those fears that <laughs> conquer way. Conquer those fears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that I think there should be a spectrum of ways to kind of move your career forward. And public speaking is just one of the options you have. Yeah. And that's another thing about your, your book that I love so much is like you actually went from like uh, explaining like how to develop a talk and, <laughs> and, and to actually like what you should do to the day of. But, and so one of the things I liked about it was that you said like shaping a talk becomes mm-hmm. an everyday process. Totally. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so can you talk a little bit about like how, how you shape your own, your, your talks? Yeah. So <laughs> um, I do it a lot. Uh, usually with with conversations with people who I know and trust, who either know um, know something about the audience I'm going to be speaking to or about the topic itself, uh, to kind of help me workshop. These conversations can help me workshop my point of view on it or like which words communicate most effectively what it is that I'm trying to say, or it helps to poke holes in the thing that I thought was true, which is really valuable. You want to do that before you actually get up on stage. Um, So for me, it's often conversations with individuals, but also I really enjoy um, like tweeting about the topic I want to write about or or speak about rather. And I also like to to write blog posts and see what it is that people respond to most. Because I think that that's that's a great method of figuring out what people don't understand, what people have questions about, what people really responded to. Um, often, after I've given a talk the first time, I'll go and look through Twitter about, you know, who who quoted which parts of my talk to see what resonated the most with people. Mm. Um, when, I, when I was first talking about performance, I was really focused on how to, you know, tactically accomplish a bunch of speed-ups on your website. And Afterwards, during q and I would always get a questions about how you got your company to care about this stuff. And I realized there was this huge chunk of information that I was never covering but was super valuable to people. And I only learned that by doing a bunch of talks and paying attention during Q&A to the kinds of things that people gravitated towards, which you know eventually shaped the talk that I gave and eventually shaped the book that I wrote. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so it's sort of like just doing analytics on, on your – Yeah, it's just data gathering. Yeah, data gathering, yeah. So that's such a smart thing to do. So, yeah. That's that's pretty great. Yeah. So that's you know, that's one of the things like you know, as a conference organizer, you know, people always ask like like how can I speak at your conferences or X Y Z, and it's 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 very hard. Um, oh, to, I guess to help with with that, like that's a great way of doing it is to, to figure out what people are interested in right now. But uh, yeah. one one story I always talk about is uh, uh, Rachel Neighbors, who I didn't know Rachel Neighbors, who's now you know uh, respected animation. Yeah. Uh, expert, you know, she spoke for the first time that I know of at our CSS Dev conference that we did, and um, she just gave a talk proposal, and we did like a double blind vote, double blind voting, um, and we still do it. Um, and so, and her proposal was like, she said, like, yeah, I put the proposal in because it's kind of advanced, and I didn't do any research on it, and it would take me like months to figure it out. So mm-hmm. if it got picked, <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, I, would, I, I, you know, and that, that would be, if it did get picked, I wouldn't care because I didn't, you know, wouldn't have to worry about it. But it did right. get picked, so so he's like, oh wow. So she, it's sort of like in a way, she saw what the industry was going to need, and then and then when it got picked, she's like, oh man, I can actually do it. And it was, it was <laughs> and it, it turned out to be a great talk. And you know, uh, we had uh, Tab Atkins, who's from Google, who writes specs with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with I guess you know funding from Google as part of his day job, and so he was there, and there was asking questions about how the spec, and it was just. A great way of, of um, you know, it was a great win 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 for everyone there. So yeah, but, totally. But yeah, so but uh, so you don't need data, you know, data data gathering like you said. But uh, it, yeah, I think that's a way easier. I think that's more of a modern way 
of mm-hmm. fi- finding out how to do it. And also, I think writing blog posts in general, uh, as, as a speaker, like as, as a conference organizer, it's a great thing. Because another story I always tell <laughs> is, uh, uh, is that, you know, I find speakers who blog. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't blog, um, <laughs> then I don't know you exist pretty much. Right. So I have, other, I have other ways of finding researching and stuff like that. But I, from talking to other conference organizers, I think I do a lot more research into finding speakers than other conference organizers do. And so um, that's just me just saying how awesome I am. No, but no, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's just, I feel like, like when I talk to other conference organizers, they, you know, they kind of like, you know, look at other conferences and stuff like that, but they don't really, you know, they're not uh, researching a lot of the blog posts that are coming out and, and keeping up the, keeping up to date. Cause it, it is a lot of information to keep up to date because our industry changes so much. So, so fast. Yeah. yeah. So definitely I would say just, and it, I think in general, it just helps your career. Even if you don't speak, just write, write blog posts. Oh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, definitely like that. So yeah. Cool. But I love the idea of data gathering. I think it's so awesome. <laughs> sure. I mean, a lot of the fears that people have are about getting up on stage and realizing halfway through that you don't know what you're talking about or that, yeah. you know, somebody in the audience knows more than you do about your topic and you're wrong. Right. Um, and you can totally avoid that by doing some data gathering ahead of time. Right. Exactly. Or the worst thing is just to give a talk and then you realize that, uh, your browsers have changed like the day before. (laughs) And so everything you talked about is kind of like, you know, toast. Yeah. Yeah, So terrifying. Yeah. That's, that may have happened to me, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, but yeah, but also like the fact that like, uh, it seems like like talks don't happen in a vacuum. Right. And so like you, you, you know, one of the things you talk about is uh, when you come up with an idea, write it. Now, even if you don't write up in a blog post, like you share it with, you said in your your friends and you're in your book, you said, right. Share it with your friends. Yeah. As a way of, of helping validate the ideas. And so. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. So, I think that's kind of a fear that people get to is like, oh, I'm, I'm all alone. Right. And coming with this idea and, and fleshing it out. Yeah. I mean, that's patently false. Like, you, you are already surrounded by a network of people who are eager to help and support you. Even if it's just your coworkers. Even if it's just your partner. You know? Like, there are people who are going to want to give you feedback. The trick is making sure that you equip them with enough good information about like what feedback looks like that's good uh, to actually get something valuable out of that conversation. And then um, you also have a great talk, uh, great, sorry, sorry, talk, uh, a great part of the book about uh, find the right venues to speak at. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. It's so tricky, right? Like there's no <laughs> public speaking. There's no way to like dip your toe in slowly. Mm. You know, you're just like, you're either in that spotlight talking okay. <laughs> or you're not. Um, so I, in the book, I covered a lot about like what it looks like to ask local companies in your area if they've got like a brown bag lunch or an educational lunch program that you can come and speak at or local meetups are also a great way to kind of like get some practice feeling what that feels like. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, Austin, Texas, where we're, I'm from just is blessed with so many meetups. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not the case. Cause like I lived in other places like uh, Cincinnati, uh, they have, they play meetups now, probably, but uh, they weren't web friendly, you sure. know, yeah, cause it, it was like back in the time when flash was still a thing. Oh, and, yeah. and, and Procter and Gamble owns pretty much Cincinnati. Procter and Gamble makes tons of products and brands. And so they, you know, flash is brand friendly. Yeah. So, uh, so there wasn't me friendly places to, uh, to, to go speak. But yeah, so I like the idea of asking local companies, you know, to, uh, to do a brown bag, brown bag. So, um, lunch and then try and investigate and do the Google searches and stuff like that to, to find out. And so, and so actually, you know, I did, I, back when I was in Cincinnati, I just had to, I found a meetup that was, uh, an hour away from town and, um, in Dayton, Ohio. And so I would actually, I would actually went there and spoke at, at their nice. meetup. One of the things, I think I've learned 
very fast <laughs> as a speaker was that you know I, you have to be very professional about <laughs> what you do like so if you if you're if you say you're gonna speak just show up and be prepared to to, to speak you know oh no yeah. matter what because like when, when i say i spoke at dayton ohio that sounds a lot better than the uh, panera bread room <laughs> <laughs> that i actually spoke at right so with this projector that was 800 by 400 resolution so <laughs> so, so i was like oh this is probably not the best place to to show oh. a page that's 900 to 1200 pixels wide on this projector. So but. I mean, it's great experience, that stuff. I, mm. I, um, some of my favorite experiences are places that are like ill-equipped to yeah. have, uh, cause it like, it teaches you how to like recover from technical foibles. And, you right. know, it's just, I once spoke at, um, a small public library in New Jersey mm-hmm. and, uh, it was one of my favorite experiences. Cause like, you know, you really had to like make it work in, in a place that was not, you know, a large conference venue and it was right. kind of, it was kind of fun, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So did you just have like major snafus there? Yeah. Or? And just like, you know, I, I realized that um, having backup plans was a really smart idea in case your Mac laptop wasn't able to be connected to the projector, you know, <laughs> it's like all that stuff. And um, yeah, it, it's funny. I think, I think that a lot of like my early days of speaking in smaller venues or, or, or places that just, you know, don't have a lot of practice doing this stuff right. has reduced my fears so much about getting up on stage. Cause I know that I can recover if something strange goes wrong, even if it's technical. Right. And, and you see like recover, like it's like it's the end of the world, which is not like if you may feel like that, like there's a right, 10,000 right. spiders coming at you. But no, right, it, right. so but I feel like um, we do you know online conferences as well as in-person conferences. And so I just feel like there's a lot more forgiveness, if yeah. you will. And the same with forgiveness is just like told people totally understand when right. things when things break down in person than they do oh, like, online because online they're like. Or waiting for things to happen, like bits and you know, one to zeros across the screen. <laughs> if if the mic's not working, they they can't see you or hear you or whatever. But if, if, if the mic's but if the mic's not on in person, they can totally see that you're there and you're. <laughs> things are being trying to be worked on. So I was, yeah, I was recently attending um, an event in which Corey Doctorow interviewed Edward Snowden over Skype yeah. uh, at the New York Public Library, mm-hmm. and um, there were so many technical difficulties, and the whole audience was like so forgiving and so it was okay. like, entertaining to watch Edward Snowden give basically remote tech support to. Yeah. Okay, the mute button is up on the yes, but the red <laughs> button up there. It was incredible. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, celebrities—they're just like us. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah. So, but yeah. So, like, it, it just as a, if you want to speak and you want to get really good practice, just realize that you know sometimes you're you're just gonna have a room, and yeah, and that's right. about it. And so you might have a mic, you might have a projector, but uh, but yeah. So, but yeah. So, but I think that just makes it so much easier. So, like, I know some speakers, you know, back in the day when CD ROMs were a thing, you know, that we have thumb drives now, but uh, like like he would not uh, take his laptop with him. For mm-hmm. he would just make sure that he would burn his presentation to CD or maybe have backups on another CD, but so that he wouldn't uh, fidget with his uh, slides up to the last minute, and uh, uh. and also the fact that uh, his computer might crash, whatever. So so he made sure like he had his you know the. But on the flip side, like I'm pretty sure he also made arrangements to have someone else's laptop uh, on, on the stage <laughs> right. as well. But uh, but also if you do something like that as a conference organizer, this has happened to me. Uh, someone showed up. With just a thumb drive, <laughs> and so I was just like, "And where's your computer?" Like, "Oh, I didn't bring one." I'm like, uh, "Okay." Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, did you tell me about this before? And <laughs> so, but yeah. So, yeah, so if you have any technical issues or concerns, please let the person yeah. running the event well, know. 
upfront. Totally. And like, I find that the best conference organizers are the ones that let you know exactly what the setup is going to be like beforehand, right. as in like way in advance, you know, what the, um, if there, if there are pictures of the venue and what the setup looks like beforehand, that's even better. Right. So do you, do you feel like that that's really good or it's like, like how often do people do that? Like in events that you, do you, you know, it really depends on the event. Um, some events definitely like, uh, so an event apart events are so, so, so well run. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of it like an event that I've spoken at. Maybe Webstock was the only other one that was like as professionally well run. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they really, really have their act together. Uh, but in terms of just like giving, like letting you know what's expected of you, letting you know, uh, and not just like on the day of, but also, um, you know, when's the happy hour and how much time should you be spending with attendees? And, right. you know, where's your table going to be at lunch? You know, it's all that stuff that it really helps equip speakers to do their best um, on the day of, because it reduces a lot of the uncertainty, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's, I'm taking notes as a conference organizer right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I need to be better at this. But yeah. So do you have any, uh, I guess, words of wisdom in general that you would, you know, if someone's listening right now and they're like, they, they want to speak other than buying your book, which I think, I think your book is great. <laughs> I think, because, uh, I think there's some pros that we that are professional speakers that need to read your book. So <laughs> that are out there. I think because I think I think you read the book. I think you'd be like you're gonna be one step up on on the competition in terms of how how to deliver a great presentation. So. I think it was Leah Veru who once wrote about, um, you know, like what technical depth to give in your talk. And she wrote really well about, um, you know, don't worry about dumbing it down too much because if people, is if, if people um, walk in and they don't understand what it is that you're talking about, typically they'll blame themselves. Right. But if, if it seems too below you, uh, it, they'll blame the speaker. And I, I felt, I tried to approach the book in the same way. I tried to really write it so that people who are completely new to this would definitely learn a bunch of stuff. But people who are seasoned at this, I'm hoping still learned a bunch of random new things to either try out or experiment with or just to, like level up their own speaking game. Not because it's a collection really of all the stuff that I've learned, not because I invented it myself because I'm, I'm, I'm not that smart. It's more like I've talked to enough speakers out there and learned so much from them. I try to channel all of that into like a, what's hopefully a helpful book to everybody. Right. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I, like I try to say like this book will make you a pro <laughs> at public speaking than a lot of people who are professional speakers out there. So I, I think it's a really great book. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Cool. Thank you uh, for being on the show. How can people find you uh, internet and buy the book? Yeah. Uh, uh, buy the book on a book mm-hmm. and you can find me on the internet at Lara underscore Hogan on Twitter. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of the day to, to be with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Cool. Awesome.